an entrepreneur um, requires scar tissue. Um, and if you don't learn the lesson for yourself, sometimes um, you're gonna make it. You're gonna make that mistake when the stakes are even higher. This is the ProCo 360 podcast, connecting people who love Colorado with stories and lessons of Colorado's world-class entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. All my guests believe that Colorado is different, that success feels different here. That's why ProCo 360's tagline is live, work, love Colorado. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Anthony Franco, CEO of MC Squares, a company that created, manufactures, and sells a replacement for the common sticky note. They're saving waste while dramatically improving communication and collaboration for their users. MC Squares is an earlier stage company that I normally feature. I chose to do this episode because MC Squares is making amazing strides and Anthony has a track record as a successful entrepreneur in B2B service companies. Now this is a B2C company and I'm interested in how he's making the transition to selling direct to consumers. So that's why I'm really excited about this conversation. So Anthony, thanks for being on Proco 360. Uh, thank you, Dave. This, what a great place to, the studio is just beautiful. I know the listeners can't see it, but this is a great place to be. Thank no, you. they can't. I've been fortunate to be here with my friends at Third and James Studios for about a year now and uh, they treat me really well. Yeah, and, it's a great uh, space. Yeah. So let's start with MC Squares. Talk about that. For, give us a quick background. Yeah, sure. Uh, so MC Squares was really born out of my last company, which was a consulting firm where I ran a lot of uh, uh, brainstorming workshops with pompous executives, <laughs> present company included. Um, and uh, recognize that um, the people with the best ideas were the least likely to share them. Hmm. They were the quiet and cerebral. Yeah, yeah. And so I set out to solve the problem of getting those people to speak up in uh in brainstorming sessions or just in group in, in group think sessions. And um, when I exited my last company, um, I decided to make a physical product company out of mm. what I discovered was kind of like the magic in a meeting room, which is a, a little handheld whiteboard. That's cool. And so really you've got MC Squares now has two value propositions. And this is something I wanted to explore a little bit with you because one of them that you talk about on your website and your video and things has to do with saving waste. The other is what you described, I think more quite eloquently, really, it was a better way to collaborate, to develop ideas and so forth. So how do you manage these two value propositions? Uh, how do I manage these two value pro It's a, it's an interesting question. I don't think about it in that, in that, in that way. So, uh, you're making me stew on it a little bit. The really, um, it's a part of our, just our messaging framework. We, we, we care very deeply about some of the things that Colorado cares about, which is reusability, um, and, and mitigation of waste. Um, and, and another interesting thing about Colorado is that it's a very, um, collaborative, um, startup ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of the culture out here that helped us, um, align what we talk about. Yeah. Um, cause I, you know, here's what I think when I, when I was on your website, I was, and, and actually what you just said was, was brilliant early when you introduced the company that how do you facilitate thoughts from people and ideas from people who may not be forthcoming otherwise. Right. And so to me, that is such a powerful, such a powerful uh, value proposition with MC squares. Right. And then, and then the idea that, yeah. And by the way, we're saving, you know, we're saving waste. We're doing these things. And, and so that, I, I don't know, is one, is one more important than the other when you think about building a business? 
your uh, business? Yeah. So uh, our our vision is to is to is to expand the art of whiteboarding. Mm-hmm. And what we mean by whiteboarding is that collaborative work environment, that that thinking out loud or in a creative way. Yeah. Um, and that the fact that we make a product line that happens to also reduce waste mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. is an awesome benefit. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's not our company mission. Yeah. So yeah. that that really helps to clarify. So uh, digging a little deeper, so so the audience who can't see your products that you've brought to show me, and so describe how your products are used, what that looks like, say in a boardroom or or a meeting room. Right. So uh, the the product that's sitting in front of you is called the MC Square Tablet. This was this is basically the second iteration of the thing that we started with. And I thought this was going to be a big deal in corporate meeting rooms. It's a templated handheld dry erase board. The idea is, is you hand these things out in a meeting room. You get people to think in a psychologically safe way mm-hmm. um, uh, and then share that in front of the rest of the meeting uh, or the, in the meeting in, in front of the rest of the group. And what I'm holding is about a 12 by 12 uh, plastic uh, or loose, whatever material, yeah. a whiteboard. Um, and, and inside there's an inserted, you could put, any kind of framework inside that I could then write on top of. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I I made it for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, the the funny thing is, is that could not get any corporations to adopt it. Hmm. Um, but on a lark, I went to a maker fair here in Colorado oh. and uh, realized that educators love this stuff. Yeah. And so that's really where this product line is taken off is in the education. In fact, we did a study with the U, 340% lift in passing grades, wow. 40% lift in test scores when these are in the classroom. I didn't, I didn't believe that. Mm-hmm, so I had mm-hmm. them run it again. It was the same result. So that's something cool. to it. Yeah. So talk about the company's growth because it's impressive. It's still a small company, but not employees, but your yeah. growth is really impressive. Well, it, it, we, our, our growth curve, is, it looks like a roller coaster. Hmm. Um, and that's mostly because I was not manufacturing here in Colorado. We were contract manufacturing overseas. Yeah. And um, that lack of control of the manufacturing process um, really bit me in the rear end a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. So I decided to bring manufacturing in-house. So really, we launched um, the product line in 2016, kind of shut down mm-hmm. in 20, late 2017. Um, not entirely, but really turned off sales and turned off everything else wow. and retooled to manufacture um, on you know right mm. next to the ballpark. Yeah. Um, so I would say we launched the second iteration of our company yeah. in January and have, have really taken off. Mm. Yeah. Well, when you say really taken off, what's that mean? Thirty uh, percent growth month over month for wow. Yeah, we 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 did five thousand dollars on uh, Amazon in January, yeah. and we were on track to do a um, hundred grand this month. So wow, that's impressive. Yeah, and now that you're manufacturing, growth. you can you can keep a handle on on your your profits, and and once you've invested in the equipment and all that, it's right. all it all starts to be able to uh, right. To, just in time, we can we can manufacture just in time based yep. on customer wow. demand. We can prototype really fast mm-hmm. on the same production line that we use to to build the products. It's well, great. Coming from a B two C world, now you've invented a product. B two B, yeah, B two B. So now yeah. you're in B two C. So you've invented a product. Inventing stuff is tough, isn't it? I mean, or was it? I mean, this is not. It doesn't look as complicated as a rocket ship, but but still, inventing <laughs> funny stuff. You say that. Yeah. Why? Why is that? Funny? Uh, well, we say we don't. We're not. We're not. Um, we're not launching rockets to Mars and we're not curing cancer, but we're in the room when those things happen. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so uh, we, we talk about rocket science all the time. It. it was social science. So, yeah. you know, it's not, you mentioned a roller coaster of profitability. There's also a roller coaster in the development of a product, yes. right? And creating. So yeah. what did you see and what did you learn along the way of actually inventing something new? Uh, well, I, I, ideas are easy. 
and maybe not for everybody, but for me, ideas are easy. It's the, how do you, how do you execute on it? Um, and I suffered from the very common entrepreneurial problem where if I built something cool, people would buy it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just having the idea and then building it. It's then yeah. how do yeah. I convince people that it's something that they want? Yeah. And really, that for me is the hardest part. Oh, it's, the, it's the sales process yeah. of getting people to understand why what you built mattered and mattered for them. So what did that process look like I, i'm still figuring it out really yeah. well you must be yeah. getting better because your sales are, are growing fast yeah but still so when you think about what you started to do right that that got you traction what are a couple of those things uh absolutely listening uh so uh understanding our customers and listening to customers um there is a problem though when you're inventing a new product category yeah. which we are um, nobody's gonna you know you know, the the very famous uh, Ford quote, you know, if I asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Yeah, yep. um, so um, nobody came to us and said we wanted uh, dry erase replacements for sticky notes. Yeah. Um, so understanding, having some intuition um, and watching people use the products that we had. Yeah. Um, and then talking to them and, and sitting down with them in a, in their environment and understanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is my last company was a user experience company. We did a right. lot of user research and a lot of user interviews. And so I used a lot of those techniques in developing a physical like product. Like what? What's an example of one of those? Uh, absolutely watching people work in their environment. So you took your product in even before that. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah, even before that. So I had some experience in the corporate meeting facilitation thing, so I had some intuition there. But just walk into a classroom um, and watch a teacher with their with their students, and you start to recognize there's a lot of paper, they're mm-hmm. doing a lot of printouts, handing a lot of work, worksheets, they're working with technology, and the technology's broken. And you're like, well, how can I make that person's life easier? Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of cases, a handheld whiteboard did it for them. Mm. Um, uh, and so it, it's not just developing the product, but also how do I message to them, um, why this product is going to help them in their environment. So, you know, this is the, a really intriguing topic. Steve jobs probably most famously refused to build people what they thought they needed, right? He, his whole approach was what's the vision for where this is going. I'm going to do that and I don't care what people say until it's done. I mean, that's high risk. And that's, is that sort of what you did? You looked at people and then you made something and he had the ability to build products for himself. Like he was his customer. Yeah. Um, and so he had the foresight of knowing where computer was, computers were going to be. And then, and then kind of asked himself, what would I want? And got to build stuff for himself. So, so he was, he had the, what, what I would consider the ultimate user empathy, which he was the user. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, is that, do you feel like that's sort of the path that you took? Yes. Yeah. 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 The the, the easiest thing to do is build something for yourself because yeah. you know that customer really well. well. And then you got to hope. I and mean, then you got to uh, hope you're, oh, you're like everybody else. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I had yeah. a, I, I've talked to this. I built a, a wonderful, uh, probably best in market app to do a particular thing. And I built it for myself to fill a need that I didn't find. And, you know, but marketing is way harder than building something that you know is right. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, Complicated. I, yeah. I've, I've, we've gotten lucky though. Uh, yeah. I would say we've gotten lucky mm. in that. Well, uh, we I found want, a, we found the niche. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to take a quick break, and then I want to come. My my next question is going to be about what 
lever you flip to make the marketing start working. And uh, first, I'm going to remind listeners that this is the award-winning Proco 360 podcast. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Anthony Franco, CEO of MC Squares, and this is a great time to thank our sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, MicroStar Keg Logistics, Kinsley Meetings, Total Coaching Systems, and the law firm of Holland and Hart. These great companies support Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Thanks also to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and Proco 360. So what switch did you flip that made marketing start to work for you? I uh, I just pulled a lot of switches. I pulled a lot of levers. Did a lot of like I took what? the sh- yeah. I took the shotgun approach. Huh. So the Maker Fair was one example. So we went to all kinds of different trade shows to figure out who and low cost trade shows. The Maker Fair is one hundred and fifty bucks yeah, to yeah, go yeah, to. Yeah, right. And what's great about those also is there's a diverse there's a lot of diversity there. At that there's educators and hobbyists and just mm. kids and so there's a lot of good um, folks there to just kind of bounce ideas off of. Um, uh, we went to some ed tech trade shows after that, um, that also gave us some really interesting insight into the education market. Um, so this, the tablet product started to take off because we started honing our messaging around, um, education. And then Mm. with, with stickies, stickies are a really unique product in that they're, um, so stickies are, are eco-friendly replacements for post notes. They have like a, a microsuction um, foam on the back and they'll stick to glass or anything, yeah, anything that's so shiny. Cool. Yeah. And there's a dry erase front. And um, really what we did is we just threw them up on Amazon and started advertising against paper sticky notes. Ah. And um, it clicked. Wow. And so that one was a little easier. Yeah. Uh, we have other products that are more niche and more difficult to message because they're like mm-hmm. for program managers or project managers yeah. that require a little bit more education, sure. but hmm. stickies, stickies are pretty easy. Yeah. Now you're raising money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting question for me to ponder as I, and, and I'll ask you that, okay, I get when you're raising, when you got 5,000 in sales a month, you need to raise money when you're getting to a hundred thousand in sales a month. Um, and you're manufacturing yourself, you know, what's all this, you're looking for 400,000, as I understand it. Is that right? From a number of sources, what's your, what's your need Why? for cash? Yeah. So, um, manufacturing is expensive. Uh, it, it, the overhead on, on manufacturing your product is expensive. It scales great though. So once you hit a certain threshold, right. um, and in reality, um, I could, um, make some cuts or reduce my appetite for growth and we could be cash flow positive today. So it's, it's, so what are you spending money on that you, that you would cut back if you weren't raising um, it? Uh, so scale, really scaling production lines. Mm. So we can go from, uh, you know, a million dollars a year in production to $6 million a year in production, which is where we want to go. Yep. Um, which requires training and, and a, and a team and equipment. Yep. And, um, scaling, um, right, right now the, or, or a, a few months ago, the entire marketing team was, was sitting at this table. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so scaling marketing also yeah. requires investment in, in advertising and, yeah. and, and, and a team. And I, and, and we're doing that. And it's, it's so this really is well. really, the funding is really to propel the company's growth faster yes. as opposed to, cause you could grow organically at a third of the speed perhaps and, and, uh, not need outside funding. Yeah. 
Absolutely could. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. All right. And one of the funding mechanisms is your appearance on Shark Tank, which I know you can't talk about a lot. But How did you know that? On Shark, <laughs> but you've been on Shark Tank, well, right? Well, so uh, <clears throat> we are in the commercials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so they've recorded your episode. You uh, had the experience. Uh Presumably, yeah. <laughs> I got, so uh, um, those that have filmed on Shark Tank are not allowed to talk about it until they're is it they like have Fight a, Club? They have an air date. Yes. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, um, that's about all I can say. All about right. that. Well, maybe we'll have you back afterwards. Happy to be and, back. Uh, yeah. We'll find out more about it. Your background is all about. We mentioned this about uh, business to business, and now you're B to C, business mm-hmm. consumer. So I want to talk. I mean, to me, that is way different. Way different. Maybe it's not the same for you, but how hard do you think it's been to transition from being a guy who thinks about B2B customers and the B2B sales process to the B2C world? It, it's definitely different. So um, sales cycles are a, a lot different. Um, but B2C is is a whole different animal. It's it's storytelling on a massive scale. Instead of um, um, sitting in a room with the buyers, you're, you have to figure out a way to condense your message down in 30 second chunks, which mm-hmm. is really difficult to mm. do. Um, it, and the other difference um, is with, you know, my last companies were software and technology. Yeah. Um, the benefit that you have with software is, is if you ship with a bug, you can fix it. Yeah. Uh, because you just change a line of yeah. code and it's yeah. automatically updated on a website. If you, sh- if I ship a product with a bug, um, I have yeah, to ship a yeah, whole yeah. new product. It's yeah. expensive. So and, and, and mistakes you, are expensive. Yeah. And you have those, then you end up with reviews with that. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. All right. I want to ask you, I I'm still intrigued with this notion of, because I've spent most of my career B two B and 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 thinking about B two C stuff, I I think is really hard. I'm I'm going to ask you a series of maybe half a dozen quick questions about okay. the difference between B to B to C. Sorry, B to B and B to C. I'll you do ready my best. for these. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned the first one already. Messaging about the product. What what else did you learn about messaging from B to B to B to C? With B to C, you have uh, five seconds. To to mm, to, yeah. to for permission to get thirty seconds. Wow! So uh, totally different in B two B. Yeah, yeah. All right. Being able to engage closely with customers. Uh, that's also difficult because it, um, I really enjoy the conversation. Um, our whole company's <laughs> founded around in person communication, so we're we're founded around um, improving that dynamic. At the same time. Um, trying to figure out how to have that relationship yeah. but in a digital world it's it's um it you know i don't like email but really that's the best way to engage customers with permission yep. um is through is through email marketing and through social media and content like this is how you use our product this is how we we are starting to build content around how to help our customers in their environment with or without our product do you do you find the need to build sort of tribes of users, you know, or any of that stuff yet? Or are you just doing transactions, man? You know, you got a hundred thousand transactions this month. So uh, when creating a category, you have to build a tribe, you have to build a following. And so that is definitely a focus for us. Mm. Um, There are thousands, millions of white, what I call whiteboard nerds, just like me. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to, um, um, dip our toe into that that water and uh, and develop a following around that. Yeah. How about the kinds of people you hire on your team? B to C, uh, B to 
B world versus B to C world? Uh, definitely B to C. Uh, so we we have one inside salesperson that is focused on B to B on the education mm-hmm, side and building mm-hmm. dealership yep. relationships there. Um, but uh, Kristen, our, our VP of marketing, has a strong B2C background. I mean, that's a completely different thing. You are really driving is. transactions, bang, 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 versus these longer sales cycles. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, and there's no, there's no how-to. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no tutorial unle- uh, unless there's get-rich-quick guys that want to mm-hmm. tell you how to become millionaires on the internet. Like, you kind of have to figure it out on yeah. your own. Really? Yeah, you do. Especially because every product, every company is unique and has a unique... If you're doing it right, unless you're selling yeah, yeah. A, a commodity, yeah. you you have to figure out your voice, your message, your tribe, so you can't, and, and market to them. You can't look at other really successful um, uh, products. Like David Pritchard, uh, one of his other friends, has the... Oh, shoot. What's the name of the ball? Recoup Fitness. Recoup yeah. Fitness. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, and so that founder was on was on this program. It was super fun. And you know he invented a product and he's marketing a product. I mean, can't you look at what you know, what he did to, you know, have that Zuma. Can't you follow a formula like that? Uh, I really wish I, so you can get inspiration and you can look at um, ways they have done things that are different um, from what you would traditionally think of as, is the right way to do that something in the market. So you're, but it's not like I could follow their formula and be successful. It's um, you, you looked, I looked at other entrepreneurs that have been through, um, and 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 glean insights from them. Yeah. Do a lot of reading. Do a lot yeah, of yeah. Uh, and then just a lot of testing. Yeah, yeah. It seems like um, the testing piece and you know the refining piece when it comes to B two C stuff is just a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of just trial and error. Yeah. See what's lots of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm take a quick break. I want to yep. remind listeners again that this is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Anthony Franco, serial entrepreneur and CEO of MC Squares. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. And please don't forget to rate Proco360 in your app. So um the idea of of a low tech product, you know, you come from a high tech world. You're purposefully doing, low tech, yeah. yeah. Purposefully analog, and, yeah. And to me, there's something really intriguing and inherently satisfying about low tech products in today's world. I mean, you you talk to that to that, don't you? Yeah. Is, so I am a uh, I'm a, I call myself a reformed technologist. Uh, really, the first iteration of trying to solve that collaboration problem mm-hmm. was an iPad app. Yeah, and it failed miserably. Um, smart screw, smart boards in classrooms don't do very well. iPads in classrooms don't do very well when it comes to engaging with the most valuable asset in the classroom is, and that's the students. You know, they might as well be sitting at home alone. Yeah, wow. Um, so, so what's what's great about dry erase? What I have discovered is it's temporary. It's not being documented against me. If I make a mistake, uh. I can I can erase it. And so, there's something just magical about. Um, the tactile feeling yeah. of, of pen to paper or, or in this circumstance, pen to, to plastic. And, um, and yeah. I, well, you know, it almost seems too that even, even as you're marketing this on social media and you, people are using, you're using video and stuff, there's something today about a tactile experience versus the digital experience that seems to capture attention and, 
in just a different way. Well, and, and it's uh, there's also an opportunity here for us because everybody's talking about technology yeah. and and how um, the technological evolution isn't going to increase human collaboration. And I actually agree with that to some extent, but mm-hmm. nobody's focusing on how do we improve things in real life? Yeah. Like, how do we improve um, this this small group um, of trying to think about something that, in a new way. And yeah. that's that's a kind of our niche, is how do we improve that piece of it sans technology? Because not everything is techno- does, needs to be or should yeah. be technologically enabled. Well, that's good. Cool. Well, you know, I think, I think the knee-jerk, though, today is to look to technology first. And I still, you know, there are a lot of ways that it makes sense. And and I think you found one that it that, that doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Now, you've got nine employees now. You're leading a startup. Um, you're still doing basically some of everything, right? Uh, though this is your fifth company? Yes. So as the guy who's in charge of everything, still at a small company, doing everything, do you do everything differently now the fifth time around uh, than when you were you know, starting your first businesses? Oh gosh, you would think so, right? Uh, <laughs> you think I'd make less mistakes. It's not. That's not the case. I, I keep getting into businesses that I don't have any business being in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm just making different mistakes. I, I think the thing that I do differently is I'm much more careful about who I bring on. Mm. Culture, culture fit is um, is core critical to a company's growth and success. And so we're we're very careful about even if it's somebody that's just packaging product. Are they gonna Are they gonna add to the culture? Are yeah. they gonna add to the attitude? Or are they gonna be be subtracted? You have to learn that the hard way, I think, because probably in your early businesses, you hired people based on skills, you know, and what experience. you needed done, yeah. yeah, and and you found that that's a great short term mistake. I mean, really, yes. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, um, sometimes it's necessary. Uh, so I, yeah. I, you know, sometimes you need to hire that person with with uh, decades of experience selling into enterprises mm-hmm. um, at the very least. So you can learn how to, uh, what not yeah, to do, yeah, yeah. right? Um, but also you need to recognize they're not a fit. You're going to play, you're, the rest of the team doesn't like them. So you yep. got to get rid of that individual. I'm picturing somebody in my head right yeah. now that <laughs> I too. hired and regretted. Well, well, that's what I'm saying that I, I <laughs> yeah. am as well. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, I did, I fired my best performing salesperson mm. because they weren't a culture fit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it must've been a pretty, pretty mismatch. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. 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 I get it. <laughs> uh, well, you also ment- mentor um, startup leaders. And um, I hate that term, but yeah. I, you, which startup or mentor? Mentor. Yeah. Why? Uh, I, on occasion, a founder will come to me and say, uh, I'm struggling with this. Do you have any insight? And I guess if you call that mentorship, but the mentorship feels like a, there's a, um, like I'll, I'll learn just as much yeah, from that yeah, person yeah, as that yeah, person will learn yeah. from me. So, I have conversations with entrepreneurs all the time where we both learn stuff from each sure. other. Sure, yeah. and, and I could see you know you as someone you, from the outside can help perhaps provide some clarity that they didn't have before the conversation. Sometimes, yeah. And uh, so I, I get that. And when you think though, and founders come to you, I mean, is there is there something that you should have learned faster as a founder that you wish they could learn faster as a founder? No, really, no. It, it's being an entrepreneur. Um, requires scar tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't learn the lesson for yourself, sometimes um, you're going to make it, you're going to make that mistake when the stakes are even higher. Yeah. So um, I think that um, the trials and tribulations of working through a, a, a company 
their requirement to to allow you to to give you permission to do to do bigger and better things. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Scar tissue is required, I think, ultimately to yeah. succeed. Yeah. Yeah. So wrapping wrapping up, I've got a few questions. First about about Colorado as the home for mixed now, for I, you said that's a, that's people okay. call it the wrong MC squares. <laughs> Happens I all the time. I almost said yeah. the, the Mick word. So, um, but but uh, you know, as as far as Colorado's home for MC squares, what's your take? Uh, Colorado's home for me. Uh, I grew up in in Southern California, and do not miss it. Outside mm-hmm. of family, yeah. I do not miss it. Um, the 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 activities that are out here, the diversity of talent, um, the diversity of thought. Um, and the general genuine welcoming of entrepreneurship and Brad yeah. Feld's give first attitude really took hold here. And I just, I love that about Colorado. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and, and people talk about serial entrepreneurs, um, sort of like rock stars, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, you're in your fifth, so that would make you a serial entrepreneur. It, interesting. I had a recent interview with Dan Konigsberg of Campminder who started the company and he's still there 18 years later. And he reflected on that and said, you know, he really enjoys having been part of the maturation of his company over time. So, you know, what's your take on serial entrepreneur, you know, five businesses in 10 years versus, you know, sticking around at like MC squares for 20 years. Yeah. So, um, so it's five businesses in 20 years, 20 years. All right. But, um, I think it's just personality type. So, Hmm. uh, I, I like building stuff. Uh, that's, that's what, that's what gets me up in the morning. So at the point where a company needs management and not growth or, or, or just needs, um, doesn't need exponential growth, but incremental growth, I'm not the right fit for that. And so, so it is time for me to leave and, and not just, not just because, um, for my happiness, but for the company's health, right? Yeah. yeah. So I want to see the company. If I want to see the yeah. company survive, I need to get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. So fit. It's yeah. it's really the fit that determines it. Yeah. Right? And and fit for the the life cycle of the business yes. as you're describing. Exactly. It. That's cool. Um, when we spoke, I heard kids in the background. We had you and I had a conversation <laughs> on the phone. Yep. You were doing a video shoot at your house. I mean, you describe yourself as ridiculously busy. Yeah. So how do you? Describe that to your kids, and what do you want them to think about how you run your life as an entrepreneur? Uh, well, my kids are young enough now to um, I, I still get kid time, dad time in. Yeah. So, so um, that is part of what makes me ridiculous, ridiculously busy mm-hmm. as a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, I have two daughters, and um, my hope for them is when they are. Uh, when they're going through school and whether or not they decide to go to college, that they don't have to think about themselves as a female fill in the blank, uh, entrepreneur, doctor, coder. It's just they're a coder. Mm-hmm. And so um, what 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 I model for them is that um, is that they get to they get to have um, they get to determine who they who they're going to be, regardless of what other people say about them. Hmm. Um, and so, if if I lead by example, that's what I'm doing for. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's really interesting. I mean, at two and four, the, it'll it, you're a few years away from where you actually get to have deep conversations about those right. kinds of things. Right. But I think you know, being available, modeling. It, yeah, it's funny because because my um, 
for that audition tape that you talked about, uh, I did a lot of rehearsal, hmm. and my four-year-old started selling MC squares to a fake camera. Just so, so I, I that kinda, would have been yeah, a great commercial. Yeah, it would have been great. Oh. I didn't, I didn't catch it enough, but yeah, it yeah. was, uh, um, yeah. So, so some of that is just kind of that entrepreneurial blood. Unfortunately yeah. for her, has ah. kind of gotten through to her. That's yeah. cool. Well, yeah. at least the sales piece. And you know, yeah. one of the things I've, I've, I've come to learn. Um, and, and I'm a guy who's happy to be selling, um, mm-hmm. your guy is happy to be selling, but I think some entrepreneurs don't appreciate when they start out how important their role as chief salesperson is. Uh, totally agree. Um, I don't, uh, my natural state is not a sales guy. Yeah. Um, it takes effort mm-hmm. and it, it took me respecting it as a craft, uh, which it absolutely is. Um, uh, and if you're an entrepreneur, that wants to lead a company and you can't sell, get out of the way and let somebody else that can do that for you. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let's wrap up. Sure. (laughs) I'm I'm your host, Dave Tabor. Today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Anthony Franco, CEO of MC Squares. Anthony, that was a fun conversation. Thank Thank you. you. That was great. Listeners, thanks for joining the Proco 360 podcast. It's Live, Work, Love Colorado because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, MicroStar Keg Logistics, Community Banks of Colorado, Kinsley Meetings, Total Coaching Systems, Holland and Hart, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. And a special thanks here to Mike, my engineer here at Third and James Studios. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado. Colorado.